Hey everyone, it is March 16th. This is 1080 Outdoors Podcast covering run and gun turkey hunting. This will be episode 7 and the second edition of our turkey series where we're trying to cover as many tips and tactics and interviewing people all over the industry and experts in turkey hunting. On this episode, um, we will air it on Tuesday, which is March 19th, so I'm only three days away. And before we get into the interview, we're just going to kind of talk about what our plans are for the next couple weeks. We are heading to Nebraska uh, one week from today, actually, and the season opens the 25th. So the next time um, after this podcast, we will be recording probably in in Nebraska, actually, and probably covering some public land scouting um, uh, tactics. But to get back to the run and gun tactics... Me personally, it's my favorite way of hunting. I think it. I speak for everyone else on our team too, where we we just end up kind of going to this every day when we're out hunting after the first couple hours in the morning, and we do it a lot in the mornings too if we don't have a great setup or a blind. I really enjoy this more. This is kind of the way that I fell in love with turkey hunting. Um, I know when I was a younger kid, I absolutely despised sitting for long periods of time and it got to a point where I was always just just hoping and wishing I'd hear that one zipper or a crunch of a leaves because my dad or my uncle were getting up from our setup and we were able to move and I just was always just thrilled with hearing a gobble or seeing a turkey and then putting a sneak on or or doing you know something and, and <laughs> most of the times it didn't work out I think over the last couple of years we've gotten a lot better and our, our success rate has is really really r- risen and I think the main reason for that is number one we are we're hanging back more um, we're we're thinking ahead instead of just going right to where they're at so a lot of times you see a turkey and you want to run right after it or you hear it you want to run right after it um it's, it's part of knowing the land and the structure of the land around you and kind of the way turkeys have acted. So, it's, it, you know, years of experience help. But I always we always like to get out in front of those turkeys. So if we see some strutting in a field, turkeys are always kind of moving in one direction. And they don't like, if you've noticed, they don't like going back the way they've come. So if they're heading to the east, they're not going to really necessarily come back to the west most likely. I mean, we've done it, but um, you're way better off out, get out in front of them. Um, and just kind of let them flow into you. And yeah, you can pick up their pace a little bit by calling and get them excited. But I think the most important thing is just think about where they're heading, not where they are. If you know what I mean. So if they're on a logging road, where's that logging road going to come out? If they're if they're in this bottom, well, what ditch are they going to take up? What draw are they going to take up to get up to you to the top? Um, <clears throat> another little tactic that we don't we didn't really cover in our how-to video or our um, episode or in this interview, but calling turkeys uphill tends to be a lot easier than calling them downhill. Um, I don't know why. It just it just seems to work that way. We've called some downhill, but it just seems like when they're hanging out in the bottoms, their goal is to always get to the top, and when they're on top, they're not normally going to call get called down to a bottom. Um, I would assume it's something to do with uh, turkeys, turkeys' life evolves around their hearing a lot of times, so obviously being up top they they it improves their hearing um they are in the bottoms a lot windy days and whatnot but i think that's something to think about um we we really skim especially the area that we hunt in wisconsin and in nebraska we skim the top edges we do it a lot and 
number one, it's where we can cover the most ground and where we can hear the best, see the best. Number two, it seems to be the easiest place to get them called up to. Now, we did it, say, last year. Um, Jed and I are running and gunning. We circled the whole top uh, big ditch of this Nebraska piece, and we had some goblin down the bottoms. We just couldn't get him to come. And in Nebraska, it's almost like a steeper cliffside into those bottoms, like canyon-type areas. So it is like selective areas where they can even get up to the top. Um, we ended up getting out, all, circling all the way around them, getting into the bottom, um, calling. They came straight to us through this, you know, big, big ditch. Um, we couldn't get a shot, shot opportunity that time. We moved on. They had actually went up, up higher elevation. We called and we actually did call those turkeys down, but we were in a place where I think they wanted to be, um, it was kind of windy up top, and like I think they they kind of like being down on that bottom. It's calm down there. It's 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 not like a big ditch like you see in the Midwest. It's more like a old like river bottom where it actually is flat across from hillside to hillside. But in general, like that's not my general rule. I we always try to call them up. Um, and the biggest thing too is I think we talk about this podcast here is um, keeping the load light. We we usually try to just carry one or two decoys with us if we have any at all little pop-up blind that rolls up like a like a stick and then other than that we're just covering ground we use four-wheelers we use our vehicles to drive field roads and step outside and, and hit calls um, biggest thing too is that we cover in the how-to video is is being aware of your surroundings when you call um, or be ready to set up right there and then it's just <laughs> i don't know how many times we've been standing out in the middle of a field we did it last year in nebraska we're Jed and I were standing out in the middle of a field, being stupid, got lazy, we were getting tired, hit a call, one gobbled, and I literally look to my right, and that thing's standing there. And we're just standing out in the middle of the field. There's nothing we can do. Um, I think we ended up ducking down and trying to dip out, and I'm guessing we boogered it, and he saw us. But it's just always smarter to take a second, look at your surroundings, and set up accordingly. Um, I think you guys will really enjoy this podcast. Joe's a wealth of knowledge. He does some stuff with ASAC Camo, um, and he hunts in a different area of Pennsylvania, you know, over in the eastern part of the country. So this is a cool interview. Um, and just make sure that you're heading over to YouTube, liking our YouTube page. Uh, we, we are coming out with weekly how-to videos. So tomorrow is the how-to video for this week, which is going to cover... Um, running and gunning so if you're listening to this podcast make sure you tune in tomorrow the video might actually already be up on youtube at this time when you're listening um, and watch those and then our episodes um, we're trying to kind of congruently run with the tactics that we're covering so this week jed's uh, episode that we uh, released which would be yesterday when you guys are listening um, that episode is a perfect running gun scenario where we just were smarter we saw uh, tom with uh, starting with a, a lone hen and we circled all the way around this giant field like an hour walk or something and we finally got out in front of it where it seemed like it would want to come and he came right up right up to the decoy and jed killed it laying behind the decoy it's a super cool hunt um but we have yeah ton ton more content and finally we'll be producing more content coming up with going to nebraska and then south dakota and then it's wisconsin and hopefully nebraska and south dakota again so thank you for listening and enjoy this podcast with Joe Fichter of ASAC Camo and Hot Bauga uh, podcast. All right. So uh, here we are with Joe Fichter. 
he uh, is he works or helps out with ASAT Camo. He's living out of Pennsylvania. Um, Joe, we're obviously big fans of yours. We love ASAT. Um, kind of introduce people or listeners to who you are, where you're from, and what you kind of do and work or whatever you want to whatever you want to explain to yeah. our listeners. Absolutely. As I said, my name is Joe Victor. Um, I actually, my, my day job is um, in law enforcement. I've been in law enforcement for several years now, and uh, hunting has always been a passion of mine. I actually worked in the outdoor industry out of college, and uh, that's actually where I had met Robert originally from ASAT, and now I, I kind of, I call it my moonlight, and uh, I do some side work for ASAT on their media and with some of their marketing. And uh, really, I, I was just a, I'm a, I'm a one of the cult followers, and I was given a great opportunity to help the uh, company progress into the future, and uh, I was on board, all, all on board for it. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I kind of mentioned there, where was your, where'd you grow up, and how'd you start hunting? Oh, yeah, yeah, actually, I'm from, well, now I live in southwestern Pennsylvania, uh, Washington County, Pennsylvania, and I grew up uh, about an hour north in a little town called Evan City, Pennsylvania, in Butler County. I've lived in PA my entire life. I went to college in Clarion, uh, Pennsylvania, and then I uh, moved around a little bit for work, And then, but I never left PA. I've always been a resident here. So PA gets a bad rap for... Uh high-pressured whitetail hunting, but I, I know it's it's similar to Wisconsin in landscape. You get you obviously it, have pretty good hunting there. There is some really good hunting. It is, uh, uh, as Michigan is, it's the land of a million hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's no shortage of hunters, and the Orange Army is out in full force come rifle season. But if you, I mean, it really, I mean, it, it's, it's all about what you put into it. It's, if you want to put into it, you know, you'll, you'll get out what you put in and you can, you can hunt around the pressure. You can, I, I personally, I use the pressure to my advantage, uh, for whitetail hunting. And I, I hunt, you know, some, some, I have a, a small little farm, uh, and then I have a little bit of a lease around it, but it gets pounded all around that, and uh, I actually hunt a lot of game lands, uh, state lands in PA, and then I also, I do hunt in West Virginia, I hunt uh, public land down there, and I actually was able to get one farm, but I actually do better on the public land down in West Virginia. Really, West Virginia, Is that that's pretty populated with hunters too, isn't it? Or is it a little um, remote? It, well, so... I live right by the West Virginia line, and what I found is um, all the state land on the around the line. Because I'm up in the Panhandle, that little sliver that goes up in between Ohio and PA. Right. Um, it gets hit by West Virginians, and then also Pennsylvanians going to extend their season. West Virginia has a little bit more liberal seasons. Like their archery season doesn't go out where ours does. Uh, before the rifle season start in West Virginia, you you run what you brung, uh, meaning if you have an AR and you want to hunt deer with it, you go hunt deer with an AR. Um, they're very liberal about their seasons and their you know, their their 
weapons and stuff like that. So it attracts a lot of PA guys. So that that little sliver in there, it gets it gets hunted pretty damn hard, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I know you talked about I talked about it a little bit. So how did you get introduced to ASAT, and then how did you you have your own podcast? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the history with ASAT, uh, I've been helping Rob for it's been over a year now. Um, mainly, mainly been the Instagram, but I, like I said, I, when I come out of college, I had worked for a hunting company for, um, I don't know, it was a couple years all told. Cause I, I did some work for that. I did work for them while I was in college, graduating and then after, and, uh, I'd met Rob at a show and, uh, I don't know when, you know, recently I decided to get some more ASAT and, uh, get some new stuff. And I gave Rob a call. And, uh, I had, I had some of the first light stuff, but I gave Rob a call and, uh, I got some, ordered some stuff from him and we started bullshitting and we had that vague recollection. Like we both remembered each other, but couldn't remember from where or when. And it was, we, we summarized it. It was a, it was probably a hunting show because he was heavy in the, uh, in, in it back at that time too. So anyways, we just kept talking and BSing and, um, he was, nobody was running his Instagram and his Instagram was dying. And we were kind of talking about how, I mean, the conversation kind of went exactly as we were talking about it. Can you believe that social media is now the dominant marketing angle for the hunting industry? When in my teenage years, like you were looked down upon for posting pictures on social media, which was what, what was it? Uh, MySpace and, <laughs> I think that then the beginning of Facebook, like you didn't post your hunting pictures. You didn't take the chance that someone could see the bucks you were killing and possibly try to hone in on some of your spots. Because in college, I hunted with Brian Galvis, which you guys being from Wisconsin, you might not know him, but his dad is Denny Galvis, who in our state is considered like the godfather of turkey hunting in my mm-hmm. time. Um, he's just, it's in, he, he has, he doesn't even kill him anymore. He just films them. He actually, last I talked to him, he was living with a flock through the winter and, uh, just studying the intricacies of the wild turkey and their, their vocabulary and their behavior and their pecking order and just all the nuances that go with turkeys. There's a lot more involved with turkey. Uh, yeah. Turkeys are dumb thunder chickens. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot more to them. But anyways, I go off on tangents, So you're going to have to reel me in from time to time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and when I go off on my tangents, I normally forget where I started. But anyways, I hunted with Brian Galvis, and even we didn't post shit. We didn't talk about hunting with other people. And so people knew what we did and what we killed, and they would follow us. And yeah. they would see where we parked, and then they would go in there and hunt as soon as we left or the yeah. next day. So you were always careful. You didn't post shit on media, social media, or anywhere people would see it. You didn't even talk about it at the hunting shops. She didn't want people honing in on your spots. To now, I mean, damn, guys are posting pictures of trail cams of these bucks that I would dream of seeing in the woods. And and you know that people from that area can identify the area. And, you know, I don't don't know, maybe some of them aren't actually on public land that they say they are or whatever. No, we actually have a a good... We have a I have a good buddy that hunts in Iowa, and he pretty much piggybacked off one of the shows. He had he had got permission to like a little twenty acres piece, and he'd watch 
one of the shows, I don't even know which one it was, but it was, they had like a 400 acre plot and they would post all the updates and pictures and he would get the pictures every once in a while and end up killing their target bucks for like three years in a row. <laughs> they, <laughs> That's what they, I did, mean. Like, they did not like him. Oh, no, I guess not, but props <clears throat> to him for exploiting an angle. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's just, it's changed. And that's what me and Rob were talking about. He's like, I can't believe how much it's changed. Like, for, especially for businesses, like, Instagram is an amazing tool that can be utilized to get your product out there for virtually free mm-hmm. um, to the eyes of thousands. And, uh, Rob, I, I can't remember some, you know, some different people have been trying to do stuff for him, and it was nothing steady. Nobody had a real plan, and I'm like, hey, listen, let's do this. Let's let's do it right, and uh, we we kind of revamped it, and uh, we initially wanted to take a just a a true grow on it. Like we weren't going to try to we weren't we weren't being real aggressive. Um, uh, ASAT, we talked a little bit about this earlier uh, before we started recording. ASAT has a cult following and uh, very loyal following, great following. And the, the patronage is incredible. And that's all that these guys, and it's, and it's a camo all seasons, all terrain. That's what ASAT stands for. These guys, that's all they wear. Um, and it's a very loyal following. I, I noticed it's, it's not a huge following on Instagram, um, but it's growing. And uh, I have wonder if some of these guys are even in the, the modern era with smartphones. Because there's a lot of ASAT Nation that's out there. Um, and the Facebook has been picking up, and we're starting to see it. And we're actually going to be taking a more aggressive approach because um, there's a lot of people that they see the camo and are like, damn, that's incredible. And my personal experience with it locally is I'm from Pennsylvania, the land of Mossy Oak and Realtree. And my buddies, the first time, you know, they see me and they're like, you look like a fool. <laughs> and then we get in the woods and they're like, oh, shit, where'd you go? And they're like, damn, that works. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not for sitting at the at the Denny's. It's for hunting. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't look, it, it might not look right standing by the trucks, but once we get into the woods where we're hunting, where it matters, this disappears. And, uh... You start to get into the science of it, and we could have a whole podcast on literally the science and the, the thought, the processes behind ASAT, and how it works with turkeys and why it works on ungulates. Um, and it's a lot of vision. Like, obviously, if, if people don't realize it yet, deer, elk, they don't see like us. Um, possibly the, the closest, and, and really, it, it, we can't look through a deer's eyes or an elk's eyes or a turkey's eyes. But from what science can tell us, probably the closest animal that we hunt that can see uh, like us would be like the turkey with some mm-hmm. very vastly, very vast differences. But they are trichromatic. They can't see color. Um, they're horrible with depth. But uh, and then like deer, they, they're, they're unable to see, you know, they don't have that, that color. They don't see color like we do. Um they see the shades and it's, it, it, it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal pattern. It works from one side of the country to the other side of the country in green and brown and rocks. Um, some of the, some of the guys I talked to, they're talking about being out in, you know, the, uh, and I'm going to say this wrong and I'll, I'll get yelled at next time I talk to them, but they're out in like the, um, Yukon or in Alaska and the, the different ranges 
and it, you know you're in wide open tundra and there'd be a guy wearing ASAT and he just disappears um and they're like it's it's wide open and he's just gone you turn around and he just he mixes in um and it's an incredible pattern until you see it in the woods working I don't, a lot of people don't can't quite fully grasp it yeah so no yeah we use it we're, we're we use it, a big push yeah we use the majority of last year during turkey hunting and it it does it blends in pretty much everywhere and, it, and it's counterproductive to the way we think like we're like oh it's green we should be putting green on for turkeys and, you, and turkeys can see color but i mean i've had and i got video and photos and i have turkeys at spitting distance and they, they don't pay me they, they don't see me yeah and it, it, <laughs> it's just it, it blends in it breaks up the human outline well we have uh it's great at breaking up the head unfortunately we have two occurrences last year in nebraska where we were tucked in in a pine tree and uh one miss at five yards and then called them back in and then a, a dead center punch on one that didn't kill it at another six yards and we just all we had was a set on and we were in a cedar i've so. seen that you guys posted a picture of it, 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 it i've seen that you, I'm, if i'm thinking right you guys posted a picture you guys were tucked into that cedar tree yeah and that's exactly where that that shop happened and they were just standing right there Shot at him, missed. They jumped away and called him back in. And obviously that was with a bull, so you can call him yeah. back in with that. We can call. I can call him back in with a gun too. But so yeah. Speaking of that, though, the the person that missed that shot blames Jed. Blames the reason for missing because he had been shooting longbow all year and he switched primarily over to longbow. Now he actually shot a nice buck this year uh, with that longbow, but. We, we saw that you were going with longbow. Are you going permanently, or are you kind of just testing it out? Um, I do. Uh, I'm I'm an affiliate for New Breed, and uh, I started shooting his cow, Noel's bows, and I'm shooting the ETX. I do. I still shoot with wheels, and uh, but I'm I'm actually running an RK1, and my thoughts initially were to build just another discipline of archery and. Uh, talking to some different guys in the industry, big guys like Kyle and then Brent Hahn from Valkyrie, they said, have fun with it, and it, it lengthens my archery. You know, I, I can shoot that indoors at 10 yards and it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also, it, it shooting with proper form, and it's a recurve. The RK1's more of a modern recurve. Okay. But uh, he said it's going to do nothing but uh, help my compound game. Um now that I've been shooting it, damn, it's fun. Damn, it's a lot of fun. And it's frustrating at the same time, but it's so pure. I love it. it you just, you grab the bow, you grab some arrows, and um, you, 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 you get it back. You, you, you're looking at the target, and you just let her fly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more to it, and I'm already going down the rabbit hole, believe me. Um, I tied on a clicker the other night, and I did it. I... Uh, I, I actually copied uh, what Aaron Snyder's doing for his clicker, and I did that uh, free spinning uh, with the nail knots and stuff. And so I'm I'm going down the rabbit hole fast, but it's just it's a lot of fun. It's it's just simple. It's it's real simple. Yeah, I know he uh, his I think I think what we found out he was doing was he started shooting and he was canting at some, and then he ended up canting his uh his normal bowl and obviously would throw off a shot, but I don't know. He center punched yeah. one of the turkeys and they, he, but 
we learned that lesson too. Don't don't shoot them right in the breast. Turkeys are tough sons of bitches. I'll tell you. Yeah, that. they are. Yeah, I I lost one. So I had the the quest for uh, gobbler with the bow, running gun, and uh, it took me. Well, I, I I had two shoulder surgeries. Uh, last year I had a shoulder surgery, and the year before that I had a shoulder surgery, and they were both January, February. And uh, but I, I I luckily I'm halfway young still and in decent shape, and I, I bounced back good. I got back into the bow for spring turkey, and I. Mowed a, I mowed, some, mowed a couple over with the shotgun, and then I, I went after him with the bow. And uh, the first year, I I didn't do any good. I actually didn't even I didn't even get a shot off. And then um, the next year, I center punched one in what I thought was a great shot on a broadside turkey only to, and we let him go off and kind of like a deer, we just let him lay up there for, I think it was like an hour and a half, and uh, we actually, I shot that one, and then we went up on the hill, and then my buddy Brad smoked one with the uh, shotgun, and we came back down, and uh, followed the blood trail up into the bush, I got into the bush where he was at, and he jumped up and ran off, and then took flight, and we never found him. Yeah, we had, I think he he shot that one in Nebraska, facing towards us full fan what we're thinking is you know their, their breastbone is kind of it kind of splays out when it gets back there by their um their spine and it, it probably ricocheted out the side and just got all breast it, it yeah i mean they're like i said they're tough as hell for such a little bird i mean they're, they're not a little bird they're actually a big bird but they're not a big animal and yeah they're tough they're tough as nails and, and they're they're cagey. <laughs> They're cagey as hell. Because mm-hmm. this past year, I actually I was able to kill one with the bow, uh, running gun. But I, uh, I uh, actually I had an opportunity like the week prior. I had one come in. I could have killed him twenty times with a shotgun. And I uh, finally got to a spot where I could get a shot at him in the brush, and uh, it was perfect. Like it was. He he went from no shots in the brush to he's standing out in this like old logging road at like I think it was like 29 yards or something and uh all day I'm good full draw completely confident I'm I'm fully expecting to kill my first gobbler he has no clue I'm there I'm at full draw completely relaxed I let the arrow go and it just skyrockets I had a log in front of me and mentally I knew the log was there and I knew I was going to have a clearance issue and I had to come up to get up over it. And I had checked it like 17 times and I still managed to hit that son of a bitch right on the top. <laughs> and my freaking arrow, my arrow went by that gobbler's head sideways. And he just like, it was almost like he was like, what, what, what was that? And gone. I, it was, I, I, I literally, I could have just, thrown my bow over the god darn hill that day i was so frustrated like it's it, it just that you know you're going at it day after day every every chance you get to go out and you're putting your heart and soul in it you have this money gimme shot and you just shank it um so that <laughs> was frustrating and, and i uh, and it was and i think it was it was a week or 11 days later i finally stuck one and, and killed it was a nice it was a real respectable long beard 
but it was just like, damn, it was, it, it felt so good. I mean, there's, there hasn't been a feeling, I mean, I, in my own hunting career, like that was a sense of accomplishment. Like I felt good that day. It, it felt great. Well, we're still in, we're still in fast pursuit of getting one. We have kind of a personal battle out in Nebraska because we've done three years now where we've messed every year up. But it, It's so worth it. It's worth every <clears throat> minute. And we went back through it. That was the 13th gobbler I had. That was a 13th long beard that was within range, within bow range, uh, during the 18 season in Pennsylvania. And it wasn't, it was the 13th one that I finally killed. So I had fucked up. Well, before that. Is that where you're mostly hunting then? The, is in the Pennsylvania? Um, yeah, I've 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 hunted turkeys in different states, including New York. Um, but my main my main haunt is uh, in PA for turkeys, and I just uh, added West Virginia to the, the 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 hunting list for turkey for spring gobbler. We've always been able to kill two birds, and uh, I've always. I've always had people that have had, I've had, you know, we've taken different people out and, uh, two birds was always enough. And then I don't know. I just, I got the itch to hunt West Virginia and this thick ass gnarly mountain stuff. And now it, it opens me up to having four spring tags, which is just awesome because I, I love, I, I literally, that's what I, I live for. I mean, past my family and work and my, I live for turkey hunting. That's my that's my end all be all. If I had to choose one thing to do till the end of days, that would be turkey hunting. So we're gonna have I to have you out there. in Wisconsin here because I think I always I've always wondered if Pennsylvania and Wisconsin are like super similar with their geographical. Um, I know our area is a lot a lot of hills and stuff. I know parts of Wisconsin are flat, but all of Pennsylvania is high high hills and big valleys and ditches, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we, we're like at 12, 1,200 feet above sea level, and we got a lot of, like, some rolling hills, some deep, you know, ravines, some steep ravines. Uh, we got a lot of uh, mining, mining ground, cool mining ground, mm-hmm. and reclaimed stuff. Uh, it's, Pennsylvania is beautiful. It's a beautiful state. It's a beautiful state to hunt in, like, with the rolling hills and stuff. And uh, West Virginia, where I hunt, isn't that much different other than it seems like if it would be a rolling hill in PA, it's just straight up and down in West Virginia in this little this part that I hunt, and it's and it's it's really cool. I I killed a last year was the first year I hunted West Virginia, and I was able to uh, I actually killed two birds down there. I, I filled my tags, and one was on that farm that I got permission to hunt, and he was a classic field hunt right off the roost, straight in, and I I bopped him with the Benelli at whatever it was twenty five yards. And then uh, we went, and uh, we were hunting a piece of public land. And at first, I was like, yeah, nobody's going to walk up here. Well, people were walking up there. I was very shocked at how far people were walking up in there. And uh, I killed a, I killed an old longsburg bastard up there. And he, he come in, and he, he, there was, there, it was just, we were at the right place at the right time on this piece of public. And they were just eating everything I was giving them. And uh, he came in, but... As a typical old gobbler, he didn't. It was like a little over overgrown meadow. He wouldn't touch it. He he shadowed around it, and then he went quiet on his final approach. And and I actually caught him out of the corner of my eye. And he was he was definitely he was eyeing up my decoy. And there he wasn't. He was not coming out. And I actually shot him as he was fading back into the brush. We got zero footage of it. 
Um, but he had like the old mountain hooks. I mean, and he was all beat up. His head was beat up. Well, what was left of it? Cause I pretty much shot it off. <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he had old long, you know, hook spurs and his breast, his breast had scars on it. He was an old bird. It wasn't very big bird either. He, I, I think I, if I was going to guess, I bet you he was only about a 19 pound gobbler. Yeah. Um, yeah. They can get smaller when they but, get older like that. Yeah. But he was just, it, he, he, he was the classic, the classic high pressure gobbler. He was all the signs of a high pressure gobbler. And it was just, it was awesome. It, yeah, it was a, another one of them accomplishments that you're just like, you, you take that breath and you're like, this is what it's about. Yep. And uh, I was I was pretty happy about him. And then we moved on to PA and I shot one at five yards on opening day. And then I, and so opening day I shot the gobbler with a shotgun. And the rest of my season, damn near up until like the week before the last, it took me to kill one with the bow. Right. So it was it was trying. It was definitely trying. There was days I was definitely questioning my sanity. <laughs> that can happen. Like it can be easy well, for a week it, straight and then it can be it, a pain in the ass for fuck a, a month. Yes. Yes. And and yeah, it 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 was it was funny because on opening day we actually doubled what me and another friend and uh I was like, "Boy, and they were both big birds, and I'm like, well, that was easy. We were done before 8 o'clock. And I'm like, well, that was simple. Well, let's get on with this bow now, and I'm going to get it done. No problem. Eh, well, that didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a running gunner, and I like to call them. I don't, I'm not a good sitter in a way. going hard at them, and uh, I never stop moving. I don't like sitting. I will sit in a blind if it's raining. Um, because I, I like the film and last year I was trying to, <laughs> yeah, like not to, not to make it any harder, but I was self filming a lot of days during yeah. turkey season and uh, I was self filming with a DSLR and, uh, I could have, there was days I could have thrown the camera and the bow over the hill, went back to my truck and just left them there. <laughs> and, uh, What's the DSLR you're using? I was just using a Canon Rebel, a T3i, nothing yeah. fancy. I know um, we have some better. I, mean, I can't imagine self-filming with it. Oh, it's a nightmare. Don't. It, it's not even worth it. I mean, if you want to commit yourself, go for it. Um, it's it's stupid. It, it it was the stupidest. I don't know where the idea came from. Um, and now I have a. I have a. I'm gonna use a GoPro this year. I don't give a shit. I mean, all we do is we use we use some of our footage for clips on Instagram, and uh, mainly just clips on Instagram and Facebook. And Instagram doesn't even relay any type of quality, so what the hell? Right. Yeah, so yeah, I did that, and I actually said, and the day I killed my gobbler, I had a GoPro. I borrowed my buddy's GoPro, and uh, it's it's as weird as it sounds. I'd never played with a GoPro before that day really and uh i had that thing all screwed up by an hour (laughs) in and i didn't get shit (laughs) i i got like 15 a 15 minute loop of me filming my face with a whole bunch of effed up facial expressions trying to figure (laughs) out the damn gopro and i just finally left it on the ground and i hunted and so hey i didn't have much to show i didn't have much to show for but pictures (laughs) the the memories i mean the memories, I mean, that, that, 
you know, I was all by myself, and uh, it'll it, it's one of the memories that ranks up there with some other some other you know classic hunts with my brothers and my dad and yep. some friends. But uh, yeah, I had a guy. Yeah, we had, we, had tw- we took a youth kid out last year, and we we had a full. We do pretty much all, multiple camera angles and all that shit, but um, I gave the kid's dad a tact cam, and I said just yeah. just, just point it out there. I don't know. All I know is when I looked, re-looked at the footage, he sat, he sat there and looked through it like a binocular. So he's sitting there <laughs> with the Tacticam, you know, like how it's a cylinder, kind of looks like a, a monoscope, whatever it's called. And he, all you see it is, is his eye the whole time, <laughs> pointing it the wrong way, just filming that his is eye. Freaking awesome. He was my. That's me. That'd yeah, be me. He was my sergeant at the time too, and I was like. Oh my God! I can't believe you just did that. That's great. I'm, I'm, yeah. Don't, don't let me fool you. I'm no, uh, I'm no cameraman. I'm no uh, photographer. Um, I, I, I can do okay. I can do some okay stuff on Instagram, but that's that. I'm not. I'm nothing. I'm nothing special. And I actually, it's, it's, it's funny. I ran a camera. That was what I did. That was part of my job when I graduated college for this hunting company. I followed the owner around and i filmed the uh i filmed him yeah <laughs> and, and and i and you know back then you're out of college you're cock strong i'm like yeah i know what the fuck i'm doing i'm good <laughs> yeah look at me i didn't know shit and it's highly <laughs> evident because i have one of the old dvds and i'm, I'm thinking i should probably just burn it because it looks so damn bad <laughs> it's embarrassing nothing's in focus and we we're like back then we we're like oh that's sweet look at that and I, and I look back at it now, I'm like, God damn, the deer wasn't even in focus. Like, what was it doing? Well, so, don't feel bad. Yeah, it's, not, it's not as bad as uh, Weston and I here looking and sitting here looking at footage this year during deer hunting and then having our our main shooter that we had pop up behind <laughs> us at 30 yards while we're both looking at the fucking camera. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. There were some. There were Did some f bomb. There no. He he snuck in on us at thirty yards, right on the road that he was in. I had planned him coming. We had seen a shooter below us, and I I I was showing him the deer that we had seen, and I like showing him a trail cam picture, and and I'm like, make sure I I had said it before, I'm like make sure we keep looking behind us because that fucking thing's gonna come up on that road, and sure as shit, I look up a little bit later, and he's standing right there looking at us. He ended up scoring one seventy, and. Got shot by the neighbor. Got shot by the neighbor opening day gun hunting. We, oof. So. Yeah, he looked he looked good running away. (laughs) (laughs) They do look awesome from the back end. I know. (laughs) Don't have a rifle in your hand too, because that's when deer get shot. That probably shouldn't be shot. Uh, Do you uh, do you guys get crushed by gun hunters? Yeah, Wisconsin's very similar. Wisconsin's a giant, a giant gun hunting. It's you know it's something that I just kind of, it's big tradition here because it it's the weekend before Thanksgiving and then it goes through Thanksgiving, so it's a huge family, community yeah, tradition that's thing. West Virginia, that's, West Virginia's like that. Um, they go the weekend. They start like the Monday before Thanksgiving, go through Thanksgiving, and then the PA is the Monday following Thanksgiving, which in PA is huge tradition and quite honestly i don't like or care for rifle season but there's like that nostalgic like tradition that you're like i gotta put on the orange and grab the the rifle and go out like 
Yeah, and then I'm out there for an hour, and I'm like, why, 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 why am I even here? What am I doing? Well, my big one this year was <laughs> Uncle came, <laughs> shot four Nubbin bucks, <laughs> wounded oh, one, really? that's, that's, wounded a decent buck awesome. opening morning, never found it, shot an average buck at one point, did find that. So we had six solid bucks get shot by one awesome uncle that doesn't hunt. <laughs> had first time back in seven years. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, is that QDMA or is that qualify or no? <laughs> Qualifies as mean leaving. <laughs> That's what yeah. happened. Well, yeah, he ain't coming what, back. Uh... And we, I don't, we don't get excited about that kind of shit either because I'd much rather have people be hunting than ever being, make sure you shoot. This, this, this. I, I could care less, but, you know, some, that was pretty, that was pretty Have insane. Have at least a little bit of self-control. <laughs> well, that's a kick in the balls is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I hate people. I hate, I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like talking shit about it. I don't like, but oof, that was a tough one. The four nubbins was a, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was like, you couldn't shoot one goddamn dole. <laughs> you couldn't shoot. You think you're odd. And I was like, every time I saw one of those fucking things walk by me during boasting, I was like, ah, oh, that thing's going to die because I knew he was coming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, please go hide. Go hide because like, people don't look, but it is what it is. We're, while we're off on a ramp in here, let's let's try to get back to turkey. And so we're going to talk running gun with you. So All say... Right, yeah, Cause we that I mean we love running gun that it gets us in trouble all the time. <laughs> the last guy we just talked to, Sean, <laughs> Sean, he he likes hunting from a blind, and I and I said that on there. I'm like I was like if you want to take a person out and kill a turkey every single day, you sit in a blind, you hear your turkey, you might kill him, you know, before seven or eight, but if you sit there until eleven or noon, one of those fucking things are gonna come up to that blind and you'll kill it. We I I I, yeah. I don't think I've ever done that. Can't do it. I, can, I know, I just can't. But so, let's hear... When I was younger... Yeah, so, I'll, I'll break into, like, my my whole spiel, because, like, when I was younger, uh, my dad's not a bad turkey hunter at all, and he's what got me into turkey hunting, and that's actually my favorite all-time turkey story, and I'll, I'll get to that. Um, my dad's first turkey is my favorite all-time turkey story. Um, but... I would, like, my dad was a running gunner, but it also he has patience because he's older and he, he understood how turkeys and his, his shortcomings as a turkey hunter and his call. He actually called fairly well. Um, he still calls fairly well, he, probably above average. But he knew that if he called here and a gobbler was gobbling and it didn't come in, that he would just sit there and wait and it would come back. Me? Hell no. I ain't sitting there. I'm gone. See you later. Have fun. Kill that turkey in three hours. I'm going to go kill one in an hour somewhere else. And uh, the school of hard knocks, I would run around and bump my head into every tree along the way, chasing gobblers all around, and then three hours later, boom, dad just shot one. Should have just sat there with him. I could (laughs) have killed that gobbler because he would have let me shoot. And uh, That's the worst text or phone call from, like, the guy that's, like, in his (laughs) 60s. You're running around. You probably put three or four miles on that day. Oh, yep. Just had one come out into the meadow. <laughs> 11 a.m. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And, and I got some buddies that, that hunt religiously in blinds and sit there all day. I, just, I can't do it. I like, 
but t- turkey hunting to me is run and gun. It's active pursuit hunting. I um, I do scout. I do locate birds, and but I'm I'm a I'm fanatical. Like I just I I don't know if you guys caught it, but I posted a picture today. I'm getting pictures of gobblers on trail cams already, and. I mean, it was a joke, but I kind of made it sound like this gobbler was a buck. But he's a shooter. He's a long beard. He's a long. He's got spurs, and he's gonna die this spring if he walks in front of me. Do you have? Do you have fine. shooters? Do you have turkey shooters and non-shooters? <laughs> are you Are you uh, impartial to Jake. killing a Jake? I won't kill a Jake. I. You're I, a better I, guy. I, You're I, a better I, guy I, than me. <laughs> younger i shot a pal of them and uh i did some uh so what age does that change for you because it hasn't changed for me yet i'm at 25 (laughs) (laughs) i uh well you know what it's it man we could i could go on forever so i start i when i so in college when i was hanging out with brian galvis denny's son and we were running around turkey and i was starting to call him contests and uh, I'm not a contest caller. I'm a I'm a hunter's caller. I'm not good at pleasing judges. Uh, I think I'll shove it up their asses. Um, <laughs> I don't. I I'm I, you know I just I I can call to a turkey. Um, and I know how to talk to a turkey to get him in so I can shoot him in the face. And that's <laughs> my that's how I call. Um, I was never a good call. You know, a judges caller. But I met uh, a guy who had his own call company, and I, I called for called for him. I you know I worked some local booths for him and stuff. And I had been hooked up. Brian got me hooked up with Gal or uh, got me hooked up with Quaker Boy Game Calls on their pro staff, which you know whatever the pro staff is a whole other thing. And it was different back then, but more or less they sent me calls, and I called for them and promoted them and did seminars and shit. And, uh, but the, like the, the screwed up thing was, is I was using his dad's mouth calls and then I started using friction calls from this guy and I'm like, I can't do this. That's not fair. And I, you know, I left my position of, you know, pro staff with Quaker boy and I called for, it was McLaughlin game calls, um, and sweet friction calls. And I used his friction calls and I used Galvis's mouth calls and did shows. And there was a guy that was kind of like, they, they promoted the, I don't want to say ethical, because there's nothing unethical about shooting a Jake. It's like that, I don't know, it's that chosen moral, or, it's not even really morals. It's just shit, I don't shoot Jakes anymore. Uh, like like shooting mature bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't shoot young bucks anymore, so I don't shoot young gobblers type of thing. And Because uh, Jakes are dumber than dumber than a box of rocks. Um, you catch a Jake at the right time. I mean, I, I, we've called in jakes with our mouth with our voices and it, it, we don't, it, they don't sound like we don't sound like turkeys we're calling them in and then you call them in you get them into the decoy and then you, they walk away and you're yelling at them and they're still gobbling at you and then they're coming back so that was like I, just like a young buck i don't shoot a young buck anymore so i i quit shooting jakes and then uh i had as i said i had some shoulder problems and one year i to not miss archery season, I used a crossbow because I wasn't getting into all that shit with the mouth bite and all that crap. And uh, I got a uh, crossbow, and it was we we're deer hunting, but it was fall turkey. And uh, I called in a flock with my mouth, and uh, I shot a Jake. And 
I with my crossbow, I just pulverized them. <laughs> and uh, I was in, I was actually hunting out of a blind too. I was like, it was like all the things that I despise hunting in a blind and using a crossbow. <laughs> and I pulverized this Jake, and I was, but I was like, shit, that was cool. And uh, a, a good friend of mine who's no longer with us was there and. The, the Jake really doesn't hold much meaning to me other than I harvested that animal and I ate him and, you know, I'm thankful for the hunt. But my friend being there, that's not longer, like, that's a memory. That hunt will be a memory forever. Um, and, and it might not have been so pronounced of a memory had I not killed that Jake. And, you know, my dad had missed one and everybody was talking about how lucky I am and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think I'm the most unlucky bastard in the world. <laughs> and uh, so... I, I did shoot a Jake, and that wasn't that long ago um, in the fall with a crossbow. But, like, in the fall, I don't do much fall turkey hunting, and fall is, like, a whole different set of rules to me. It's like you just kill whatever comes in. Um, but in the spring, I, I target long beards, and uh, I scout them. I, I will go around in the preseason, and, I mean, really right now I got flocks located. I know that the flocks, where they're at now, they're not going to be – it's not going to be the same in the spring. And then once – the, the true breeding season occurs, the, the groups that we, where they'll be at in the spring will further disperse. Um, and then you have, you know, you have your, your dominant toms and you'll have your subordinates and then you'll have your Jake groups. Um, you'll have your two year old pairs and, and I'll, I'll know where a lot of them are at. And, uh, like if I'm taking somebody out and I want to kill a bird, I'll go after, you know, two year olds or where I know there, there's a pair of two year olds. Um, I, I will never tell a guy not to shoot a Jake. Um, and there was, you know, it was a year, like three years ago, I was begging people to shoot Jake's because the bastards were beating the hell out of all the long beards and they weren't letting long beards come in. Yeah, that um, I've ran into that issue a lot too. Oh, they're sons of bitches when they're doing that. You know, you got a group of seven Jakes and you have a you have a long beard working and they just come in and beat the dog shit out of them. It's freaking great. Um, but yeah, that's and, and so. With the running gun, I, with my preseason scouting, I got these areas where I know that hold turkeys. Are you um, mainly, are you main, uh, mainly doing woods or field edge on the, uh, when you're running and gunning? Or so mixture of both? Washington County is compri- comprised mostly of like broken up farm country, woodlots, uh, fields. Um, we have a lot of gas and oil here now, so we have a lot of well pads and uh, gas line right and stuff like that. So the woods are real broke up. There's not real huge tracts of hardwoods here. Um, it's rolling hills broken up with fields, CRP, gas lines, gas pads, um, old farmer's field. There's not a lot of farming going on here. Anybody, you still got some cattle and beef, but uh, there's only a few like actual farmers that grow any type of real crop. So it's just broken up farm country. So I'll, I'll scout these woodlots and know where these birds are at, and then I we'll go at them and uh i mean a lot of times just i got kids so a lot of times i don't go out first thing i take the kids to school and then if i have a pretty flexible schedule with work so i'll go out for a few hours and you know i'll go out after i drop the kids off hit a spot and i'm moving the whole time i move and i'm not a truck hunter there's a lot of guys that do that running gun where they'll drive their truck to a likely spot call they get a gobble then they'll go into the woods i typically i like the I like to get into the woods before I try to get a gobbler to sound off. Um, because I just, 
I, I, I mean, I know for a fact that they do become accustomed to guys calling from these convenient pull-off areas and stuff like that. Um, so I'll, I'll actually saturate myself into the woods and I'll get in there and listen. Because a lot of times you're just in the spring and you hear Tom sounding off and then you make your move from there. Yeah. Um, Are you using decoys at all? I, I do use decoys a little bit, but I travel light and uh, the only I, I normally will only carry one decoy. And uh, it's the Montana decoy, that Perfect 10, that 3D Perfect 10. Mm, okay. And I had a Jake, but I whooped his ass after I had a gobbler hang up on him, and I ripped him and did all kinds of dirty <laughs> shit to him. You had a mental breakdown? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just straight whooped his ass right <clears> in the middle <throat> of the field. And he's no longer, like, real pliable or 3D looking anymore. <laughs> I would, he just, yeah, I... I, I mean, that's a, that's another story. I've been hunting this long beard, and, and I don't know that it's the same one because turkeys, they all look alike. But he was a pretty distinct gobbler. He was, like, kind of king of the this one little ridge, and I finally got him to break down and come to a spot where I could kill him because every time I tried to go up on, on and get close to him, I would I would bump him. And I finally got him to broke. He was, he, he was alone. When I showed up at that woodlot, he was gobbling his ass off, like, repetitively at anything that made a whisper. And I got in as close as I thought I could, and I, and I called it. He, like, came running on a string. He got out into the field. I'm like, I'm putting the decoy, the Jake out. He'll come in, and he'll kill this thing. I'll get great footage, and I'll shoot him with my bow. And uh, he come out into that field. He looked at that Jake decoy, and he, like, literally broke out a half strut in the – he sleeked back, and he just straight back up to the top of the ridge, and he started gobbling up there nonstop for the next – till quitting time. So yeah, I don't carry the Jake anymore because he got pounded that day, not by the <laughs> gobbler, but by me. That's awesome. And uh, I've had, I've had, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of, I've, I've been very unlucky with decoys consistently over the years, and I, I contribute that a lot just to the hunting pressure around here. Guys misuse decoys day in day out, and they spook turkeys. Guys aren't patient. They are not looking. Um, they're just setting up and they're calling and they're getting up and they're moving and they're, they're missing gobblers off of decoys whatever it may be gobblers are ultra wary around decoys around here and, and i will i'll sit in the field with no decoys and i i have more luck that way than putting a deke out hmm. yeah it just so depends, in, in yeah, it depends thing, on the area that's cool yeah and, and i use when i do use a decoy i use some different tactics um and I, I, I'm very, I, I carry one because it's turkey hunting and you got to have a decoy. Um, and I do use them in some very, very limited um, setups, like where I know a gobbler has to come or like just terrain funnels him in. Or like, let's just say there's a road, and I know there's a road over here, and like there's like a cliff to my left, and I know he's got to come up in here, but it's real open. I'll actually put the decoy like 50 yards behind me where he can see it. I know he'll be able to see it. And then once I get him where he's committed to me and my calls, I'll call him to that, to that point and around that area. I'll go, I'll go quiet on him where then I know he's going to eventually pick up that decoy and he's probably still going to hang up on it, but he's going to hang up and I'm going to kill him because he's going to be right where I'm at. So I'll do stuff like that. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, if I do use a decoy, I'll, um, like situations like that, or if there's a lot of hens, I will 
put the if if like I got a, a an old bitch in the area that's a, <laughs> a, a real dominant hen. She bearded hen. Oh uh, no, no, just just uh, what what is, would be considered to be the matriarch or the boss hen. We love bearded hens. You'll know her. You'll know her. She's a bitch. She'll yak and she doesn't <laughs> shut up and she'll take the gobblers any any direction but where you're at when you start talking. Um, I I love them though because they're a challenge. But when it, when I got some talkative hens in the area, especially with, like an old boss hen, I will use a decoy because I will challenge that hen. I, I forget about the gobbler and his gobbles, and I attack that hen with calling. And I will I will work to call her in. I will mimic. I will mirror. I will over call her. I'll step on her. I'll do whatever I can to piss her off and have her come in to kick my decoy's ass. That's actually, in all honesty, the best success I have with a decoy is a decoy to bring in the hen to tow the gobbler in to shoot the gobbler in the face. Right. So that's that's really, that's, those are like the two, really the only two setups where I use my, my decoy anymore. Um, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm huge with calling. Like, I love talking to turkeys. Um, and I want a turkey that will talk back to me, you know, as far as a hen that will call, you know, will we'll have a conversation with me and bring the gobbler in or just a gobbler that is uh, wants to talk to me. And I I don't use I, – I do carry a crow call because, once again, I'm turkey hunting, so I carry a crow call. But I don't, I don't think last year – I don't even know if I blew it. Um, I think – you know what? I did blow it one time. I wanted to make a move on a gobbler. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk turkey with them before I moved, so I I did crow call them, and it didn't it didn't fucking work anyways. Yeah, I've never had much back. luck crow calling, honestly. Uh, I've we, honestly we had. I, I actually have had more luck owl hooting midday than crows. Yeah, so we yeah we we've used it all. We have we uh, for a while there we were having a lot. We used to have a lot of luck in in the nineties with that. Uh, mating barred owl calls um like that scream that jackal scream yeah uh, the owl makes <laughs> had a lot of luck with that and never had much luck with peacock shrill but we did hunt a we used to hunt a farm that had peacock and those bastards would gobble at the peacocks every single time they did their stupid thing and so we're like oh, let's buy a peacock call and no it didn't work we could be on that same farm the peacocks would be making them shock gobble we would blow the call and they wouldn't gobble um, shot gobble to it. We crow calls, hawk calls, um, the old HS strut bared owl, uh, hooter tube. Very limited success. And, you know, it, every once in a while it works. Um, and I'm, I, and for a while I used to be a gimmick guy. Like I bought that damn mad dog whistle. Um, <laughs> if you, if you didn't figure out where I'm in, in, in Mark and Terry got their shit together. Mark's, they're, they're hell of a turkey. They're, they're hell on turkeys. That whole jury crew is. But that damn dog whistle, turkey whistle thing didn't work for me. Um, I never even but, heard of that. Yeah, dude, I, I'm so, I'm so into, in, freaking infatuated and saturated into the turkey shit. I try, I'll try anything. And, uh, and actually, I was, we, we uh, had Aaron Snyder on our podcast and I was telling him like, at the beginning of the season, I need a I need a, kef, a kefaru to carry all the shit that I want, and then after the first day, I carry everything I need in my pockets. 
which is a diaphragm call and the shell and the shells before I put them in my gun. <laughs> in my yeah, it's funny how it works out I, that way. About I, a week or two in, it, it does. Like he wants to carry all that shit. Um, and I and I don't use any other. I don't use any friction calls anymore. I ex- only call with the diaphragm calls. Um, I I can't reproduce the calls I can with my mouth with a, a friction call. I can't vary them. I, I can vary the call so drastically with my diaphragms that I don't have any need to carry another call to back to, to vary my calling. Um, but I got a, a turkey call in my mouth at all times, and even during deer season, I carry one with me every day. I might not. I'm not calling on it when I'm archery hunting, but right. I have one, and I'll use it. Well, I'm something something might come in the deer. range. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? I I, I actually I was hunting for the buck I killed this year and I had some shots at turkeys during archery season I didn't take them I did shoot a coyote because I'll shoot them every day of the week have to because we're getting over we're yeah we're getting overrun by them but I, I I didn't shoot any turkeys this fall that I had opportunities to but I will actually use the turkey call to help cover me up if I get like a light bump on a deer or something um or I'll, I'll even use it I'll whine and stuff. I'll do some turkey whines and some, you know, purrs and clucks as I'm walking in. Um, just because there's so many turkeys in my areas, I'll use that to help settle the deer that are that are in bedding areas when I'm moving in during the rut into rut stands where I know I'm I'm really cutting in between bedding areas. That's um, a pretty good idea. I've, I've never done that. Yeah, well, this during rifle season in West Virginia, in in the Boga guys, which we still have to get to, they. Uh, they, 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 they think I'm insane because it's like every conversation goes to turkey and it's always turkey and I'm deer hunting in West Virginia and I'm like sending them pictures. I got, uh, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a flock of turkeys wearing orange huh. with snow on the ground in West Virginia with a boomstick in my hand. And they're like, what are you doing? What's going on? I'm like, I'm moving with this flock of turkeys. I think they've accepted me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making freaking flock talk with these birds. It's a bunch of juvenile birds and i had snuck up on them perfect stalking conditions i snuck stuck up within five yards well they didn't they just they just continued to feed well i just slowly moved with them and i put in my diaphragm call and i started making flock talk with them and just contentment calls i moved with them for uh, god it had it was close to 100 yards maybe further and uh i i think it was 13 deer, 11 deer that I had within 25 yards as I was moving with this flock of turkeys. Now, they were all does, but, I mean, I was literally getting right up on deer moving with these turkeys. It was incredible. It was like, it was like, uh, like the, uh, crocodile bastard that got killed. Oh, uh, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like one with nature moving with him. I was like, damn, this is fucked up. But (laughs) it was like, they, I don't know, it was. It was strange, and I and I have been, and I was wearing the hex suit, and I don't know if there's, I mean, I know there's definitely something to that hex suit, so I don't know if that helped my situation, but it was just, it was real weird. It was super weird, and uh, I don't even know why the hell we went off on this tangent. Now. <laughs> so reel me back in. So uh, what are the, so you, you do a podcast with Hot Bwaga, is it Hot Bauga or Bwaga or? It's uh, it's hot boga. Hot boga. So, what does it stand for, yeah. and how how'd you get involved with them? So, 
they existed before me, and they were like, uh, actually, there's there's four of us now. There was three before me, and it was uh, James and Tom and their brothers, and then their childhood friend, Jared. And it originally started out as it was James and Jared who were like best BFFs. Um, they, uh, they started this like Instagram page to post their hunting pictures. They called it like ground hunting or ground blind or something. And, uh, Tom, the brother was like, dude, he's like, you guys are actually getting some followers and people are liking your stuff. You should do something more with it. And they're like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then Tom was like, dude, you guys should do a pod. We should do a podcast. And, uh, he's like, why? And he's like, well, you get to talk to all these cool people and you're always talking hunting anyways. Let's talk to other people about hunting. And, he, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. So Pot Boga come from, James was in the house with his wife and his wife's like, yeah, I'm going to go do uh, yoga, hot yoga or something. And he goes, oh yeah, I'm going to go do hot boga in the backyard. <laughs> and it stuck. It just stuck. And it was hot boga and it's been ever hot boga ever since. And, uh, so they, we, they were following me. I was following them on Instagram uh, being me doing ASAP stuff and this company. And I'm like, this company, hot bow, Georgia keeps liking all my damn photos. And I'm like, hot bow, Georgia. I'm like, it's gotta be what it is. Hot boga. No, it's not hot boga. It's gotta be hot bow, Georgia, which makes sense. Cause if you lived in Georgia, your bow would be hot. And I'm like, stupid, but all right, whatever. They're liking all my stuff. And then uh, they were interested in ASAT, so they ended up contacting, messaging me, and they're doing this podcast, and we're, we're shooting the shit and bullshit, and then we end up exchanging phone numbers, we start talking, and they're like, hey, uh, you want to be a co-host? Would you like to be a co-host? And, you know, we'll have this, it'll be This Is Hot Boga, sponsored by ASAT. I'm like, that sounds really cool. So we ran it by Rob, Rob was like, yeah, let's do it. And they gave me the backstory, obviously, to Hot Boga, and I wasn't right. It wasn't Hot Boga, Georgia. But also, as I'm, as they're liking my stuff and they're messaging me, I looked into their stuff, and I'm like, Hot Boga, Georgia. I'm like, I gotta, I'm looking through all their stuff. I'm like, these motherfuckers aren't from Georgia. They're from Michigan. What the <laughs> hell? And so when we did have the conversation and they explained the Hot Boga, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's stupid, but it makes perfect sense. Now I get it. So... Anyways, so what I, all are you guys? What all are you guys on? That where people can find you? Uh, you can find us on iTunes, uh, uh, Podbean, and there's another one. Uh, just just the usual. If you're a podcaster, you'll be able to find them. Oh yeah, look us up on iTunes and leave us a review. We we need good ones. Yeah. Um, While you're doing yeah, that, like, do the same here. <laughs> absolutely, these guys are awesome. I'm 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 enjoying this. It's, it's nice. I don't. I, I love not having to ask questions because I ask the stupidest questions. That's why James pretty much. We actually have two now. Um, and we're, we're going to probably do. We might even do a third one. Um, but right now we have This Is Hot Boga, which is by This Is Hot Boga, by Hot Boga. And uh, James kind of really runs that one. Um, and we bring on different companies and people, personalities, and, and more or less kind of just talk hunting with them, interview them, ask about products, hunts, stuff like that. And then we came up with the, uh, and I'm kind of more hosting it now, and it's called Bros and Arrows. And uh, it's the you don't let your kids listen to one because they're swearing and there's 
you know, there's some other stuff on it. We don't, I mean, we're not talking like crazy vulgarity there, or anything. There's some like other that, things but, on there. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, there's no, yeah, there's not, like, it's just, it's shit, it's shit, tangents go, there's tangents. And uh, we try to stay away from politics and crap like that. But, like, it's, it's how grown men talk. It's how grown men talk at hunting camp. It's it, it is how it is. And if you walked into a hunting camp anywhere around, the, this is how grown men talk. And uh, I get it. Some some parents. I, I mean, my kids understand the difference. They they know what a swear word is, and they know it's just a word, but they know that they're not old enough to use it, and it's not appropriate. But they know what they are. Um, but like I said, it it is what it is. It's how grown men talk, and. You, you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. But like this is hot boga is more like PG rated. It's it's uh it's it's more like friendly for every listener. And we kind of talked like we had Aaron Snyder on talking to him. Just some interesting people. The guy Mike Slinkard from Hacks. Just giving a little bit more about products that our uh, our followers would want to know about and uh, stuff that stuff that works. That's that's kind of the gist of this is hot boga. And uh, yeah, Rose and Arrows is just the let's it, cut a, let's cut the shit show. let's it, cut it, the we, shit on the products. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and <clears throat> yeah, and Rose and Arrows is really just like we're talking hunting. It, we're talking like we're getting into it, tactics, uh, just shit talking each other. You know, you know what it is. You know what it's like. You're we're talking amongst other other hunters. Um, but that's how that came about, and and I actually now have become. Uh, one fourth. We're now we're we're four strong. Uh, I'm now like a uh, one of the hosts, I guess you could say, part of Hot Boga, and they're great guys. So uh, it, it's it's enjoyable, it, and I like talking hunting. Like I'm 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 thrilled to be on here. Like I I love talking hunting with other guys that love hunting. There's not there's not much better. It's it's pretty simple too. It's not. As long as our industry yeah. our industry stays away from the the bullshit that some of them get into, but yeah, there's so much of it. It's, you know. it, it's like a bunch of high school girls running around <laughs> sometimes. Just I me up. I love I love like the feeds and like the groups or wherever where someone posts something, and then I do like kind of like a little bet with myself, like how many comments is it going to take for some asshole to come on here and be like. Is that buck a three and a half year old? <laughs> or did you did you did you shoot that with a gun during bow season? Like just assholes every corner you go. You can't post anything on social media without some guy coming in four to eight comments in. Yeah, and then you got the anti hunters, and then you got in in my opinion, the hunter that jumps on under the anti hunter and sounds like a bigger idiot does us no justice either. <clears throat> You, oh, you yeah. can't you can't fight an insult with more insults and profanity and calling them a dumb bastard because <laughs> it, that doesn't win anything. That doesn't make us. That, that just makes us look like what everybody personifies us as like knuckle dragon idiots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always just say just think but, about think about what it would take you to comment negatively on someone, and you probably wouldn't because your life isn't a <laughs> in a complete misery. Like obviously some people's are. I yeah I I mean I see some shit and I'm like man I'd love to blast that person but I'll save it for my brother for later yeah. and uh, I'll blast my brother <laughs> you know like it I don't get it I don't get what what the hell is the animosity like 
I love when I love when my buddies shoot bigger bucks than me. I love when my buddies have better success. My brother, like my brother, killing that bear this year. We at, at bear camp, and uh, we were talking about this before we started. Um, I was over the moon that my brother killed a bear, and I ended up not killing one. Okay. And uh, I, I'm good. I'm good with it. Like I, 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 that was it. Was awesome. Like shit. Like I don't get the, the it's jealousy really. I mean. And I've had talks with even my friends because, like, I've just kind of been at the right spot at the right time, and I've, I'm have i by no means a professional hunter. I'm a blue collar. I work my ass off. I hunt my ass off. I don't get lucky. If anything, I'm unlucky. And uh, I've, killed some, I've killed some nice bucks. I kill gobblers consistently, but I work my ass off for them. And I hunt hard because I love it. I enjoy the torture, and uh, some of my buddies are like, oh, you're so lucky, and I'm like, dude, I still I still wake up, put on my pants, and I go to work, and I earn a paycheck, and I do this all for fun. <laughs> like, am I lucky, or am I just making, you know, I'm just adding stress to my life, but I'm just, I enjoy it, and it's it's just part of life, and, uh, you know, a lot of my friends, they want, they want to get into the hunting industry, and I'm like, you're asking the wrong guy, because I'm I'm not in the hunting industry. I just enjoy <laughs> hunting and like talking about it. And I mean, quite honestly, if you want to get in the hunting industry, just, you're, you're going to be poor probably. Um, oh, you're for not sure. Gonna make big box. You're not going to make big bucks. You're not going to, and most guys that are in the hunting industry don't get to hunt. Um, yeah. If, they, if, really, you, if you own, they if you own a store, you can't hunt during hunting season because everyone's buying. Yeah, exactly. And then if you have a product, you got to be you got to be up on you got to keep your shit in order. Um, and, and you know there there's the you know the few that are blessed you know the the, the 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 pro hunters that people idolize that are on TV. And I mean that's not all. That's but even that's even their stuff is way more way more scheduled than everything than people probably realize. Well, not only that, but it's just, it's just not all it's cracked up to be. And I, I did live that life for a short stint, and uh, I didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't. I, it, hunting was becoming work, and I'm like, that's it. I'm not I'm not pursuing a, a career in the outdoor industry. And I went to public, public safety, and I love my job. I love what I do, and I think a lot of pride in, uh, in what I do. And, and I get the my escape is hunting. That's where I escape. Um, from reality, and I, I really de-stress and I, I enjoy it. But like my, you know, and as I'm going off on tangents, when I tell my buddy, you know, like they're like, oh, I got to shoot a big buck and I got to do this, and and they 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 give up a lot of life and a lot of other things to kill a buck that nobody's gonna remember. They'll post that picture, and then five minutes later, someone will post a bigger picture of a bigger buck. And then within 30 seconds, they're, they're, it's already forgotten. And uh, that's for sure. Guys will sacrifice. They'll fuck up marriages. They'll screw up relationships with their children. They'll screw up their jobs. And I, I know there's like some really cool memes about like how a lot of marriages have been broken up and a lot of jobs have been lost and there's a lot of sleepless nights over this big buck. And I, yeah, I get the obsession. I'm I'm obsessed with them all, and I'm crazy. Ask my wife. I'm nuts, um, but I'm not going to sacrifice my family, my job, and my kids, you know, and my relationship with my children. Um, it can be the damn middle of the rut, and if my son wants to hang out and 
he or you know he has something to do guess who guess what comes first my son or my wife um that's got to have priorities and got to get your shit together um and that's just my take on it everybody's different and i'm not going to speak up for everybody and how they should run their lives but that's just my take on it and uh i also coach football um i coach my son's football team i i lose a ton of time for that and uh, i could be the dad that stands on the sidelines during games and or you know up in the bleachers during games and cheers my kid on but i wanted to have a more hands-on approach and I wanted to make sure that, you know, him and his buddies and the other kids were getting taught the fundamentals of football and teamwork and uh, becoming better grown men. And I figured that was a great place to inject myself into into my son's lives and these other young kids' lives to help them be better people. Because let's face it, the world's not getting better. Um, Are you sure? Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty positive. Oh, you have and, some personal experience. Rant, yeah, I got some personal experience. These kids are turning into shitheads. They don't respect anybody, including their own parents. Yeah. And I don't. I don't like. I, I don't. I don't like to talk about work and shop talk outside of work. But parents need to be parents again, and kids need to be kids again. And uh, in the world, it's, it's not getting any better. And, and our only chance. It's, our, our time, we can still and in, in, in make differences, but it's not, it, it, it's in, in our children and in, in teaching them to be respectful human beings and uh, to understand it's not about me in this moment and just the lunacy that's going on out there. And that's my, my, my random thought that's unhunting related completely. Um, my kids are, they understand hunting. My daughter doesn't want to hunt, um, but she loves shooting her bow. And she loves that time with me. And that's, that's, you know, that's not time with mom. My wife doesn't hunt. She doesn't, she doesn't, doesn't dislike hunting, but she also doesn't like hunting um, per se. Like she's not like pro hunting, um, but she's not anti-hunting. She's middle of the road. And uh, my daughter loves that because that's. That's their time. Like, that's their time to hang out. Yeah. And my son is the same way. He, I mean, he. He's five. He's already ready to hunt. You ask him, he's ready. And uh, and both my kids can shoot, but they also, um, I, both of them can, they, they both have shot uh, ARs. They they shoot a twenty two regularly. Um, they're, they, they understand weapons. They respect weapons. Uh, they both have their own bows. They shoot their bows. Uh, now, I supervise them heavily. But they understand what that weapon is capable of, and um, my daughter has seen hunting, and she chose that she doesn't want to kill an animal, and I respect that. That's her decision, and she may change that at some point. She may not, but she loves to shoot, and just the discipline that even shooting teaches her. She's into competitive cheer and dance, and she's a little girl, and she's a pretty little girl, and she's into girly things, but she also understands that hunting there there is that hunting exists and it's not cruel and it's not inhumane and it's she understands what the meaning of hunting is and it's it is about killing an animal and it's about eating that animal and she gets all that she chooses not to do it but she also respects that i do it and she's excited for me like when i kill a big buck or i kill a gobbler she's super excited and she's super intrigued and 
She's not afraid to touch it, and she understands it. And uh, it's missing. Like, there's a whole generation of kids that, that that's just missing from. They don't respect people, let alone weapons and what they're capable of. And it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to see the shift um, in the perceptions of things. Yeah. Yeah, it's real deep here, so I apologize. <laughs> well, we're, we, we, we could spend hours on that. So we usually wrap yeah, up but... we usually wrap up the podcast with a random thought. <clears throat> Weston Weston decided to ask this random thought of you since we're, our talk before we went live. What's your general stereotype of Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> It's, you can take a second too, because it's meant to catch you off guard. That's why I don't talk about yeah, it before. That that, that does. <clears throat> and the, the, the crappy thing is, is Netflix ruined Wisconsin. <laughs> um, <laughs> making a murder has just destroyed Wisconsin. You poor guys, like I think of like uh, people sitting in trailers watching like uh, abusive porn. That's what I think of now. Like, You're not that, totally off. That's that's, that's, that's <laughs> it, man. And, and, and you go deer hunting for your alibi. <laughs> yeah. Just that's to be like, just to be clear, I don't think I've ever spoke to a person in Wisconsin that spoke like the Averys. <laughs> <laughs> we don't all talk like that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't. You guys. You guys have given me hope for the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm friends with a guy from Wisconsin, Corey Rothman. He's a good dude. Um, he's a good dude. We don't ever even talk about the making of murder. He does some stuff on the side for a cat too. And uh, but yeah, that's my that's my thought on the cheese state now. Is like, what the hell's wrong with all y'all? Hey, I don't blame you, Damn man. Netflix. They 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 took they took us. <laughs> they ruined it for everyone. And and here's here's another random thought for you. And I'm gonna reverse it on you. Okay. And uh, I'd like to know why don't they make Smuckers, those Uncrustables, and man-sized meals like man-sized sandwiches? Dude, that's a good one because I used to eat those during wrestling season all the time, and I'd be like, you know, Dude, instead I of eat like five of them, yeah, I'm like go hunting. <laughs> like after weigh-ins, I'd be like, you know, I could use just like one normal size or like two normal size ones to like six of these small ones <laughs> i think it's meant, I, think, I think five of them i think it's mostly meant just for for like a like a quick snack not not as a meal or it's meant for children and we <laughs> when we steal it <laughs> it's definitely meant for children what's your what's your favorite uncrustable flavor oh, i i i'm peanut butter and jelly and so what i do is i I pop the wrapper, and I warm it up in my armpit so that the bread is, like, the bread isn't frozen anymore because we freeze them. Yeah, and so yeah. I pop yeah. it, put it in my You have to or they dry out. Bre- yeah, and so and I, I make the bread moist again, but then the peanut butter and the jelly is still frozen. But as you're fighting into it, the jelly starts to melt, but the peanut butter is still frozen, and you, you got to bite through it. It's like heaven. No, there's a grape, there's a grape jelly one and a strawberry jam one. Yeah, I don't like strawberry grape. See, I, I will fuck, he, I fuck with that strawberry. A yellow one. A yellow no, one? Like, yeah. No, Nutella. Oh, no, Nutella. Nutella? Nutella. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's a that's a Be game changer. Careful. That's a game changer. Be careful. Jeez. Addictive. 
Yeah, I believe it. We buy we buy a box and it doesn't last like thirty seconds. <laughs> like it, 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 as it's coming out of the giant eagle bag, it's getting ravished. Yeah, well, I, I, Weston and I lived together a couple of years when I first started uh, in law enforcement. I roommate, I was roommates with Weston, and he used to eat spoonfuls of uh, <laughs> peanut butter. So I can imagine how many uncrustables that fucker puts down. <laughs> It's good protein. Uh, yeah, dude, it's I, healthy, healthy protein. I, 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 yeah, I still hit the, I hit the Jif natural peanut butter with the big old spoon, and then see, it's <laughs> normal. It's normal. It is, but here's, here's my, here's the catch to it now. Now I like, it may drive my wife bonkers. Um, I'll get half a spoon of Nutella, and then I dip it into the peanut butter. <laughs> the peanut butter. Yeah. Leaving trace evidence yeah. of the Nutella yeah. and the peanut butter gets to be busted every time, but it is freaking amazing. Yeah, Nutella residue. Gotta try it. I'll have to. Well, Joe, we really appreciate we really appreciate you talking to us, man. Um, is there anything else, or is there anything else our listeners should know about you? Or <clears throat> I think we got covered where nah. we're gonna find hot 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 baga hot baga. Boga. Hot Boga. Hot Georgia. Hot Boga, Georgia. No, I mean, like, I mean, the biggest thing is, is we, uh, I, and I've taken a stance where, um, to, to help people get involved in archery and, uh, turkey hunting, (laughs) just hunting in general. I'm going with the, uh, no bullshit approach. So if you want to check out like my Instagram or Hot Bogas, uh, Hot Bogas we do a little bit more just it's geared around the podcast. But uh, my personal Instagram, I I started you know, I'm trying to run stories and give people the no bullshit approach to like what works and what doesn't work. I I'm not I'm not allowing myself to be pigeonholed by uh, sponsors and even with the podcast we've uh, we're eliminating um, becoming sponsor heavy. And uh, we want to let people know what works. And, I mean, let's be honest, even even myself, um, and I'm blessed with a good job. My wife's blessed with a good job. But uh, shit's expensive. And uh, you can blow a lot of money real fast in the hunting industry today. It's not like whenever, I, I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, ten, even 10 years ago, shit's expensive. And uh, if, you, if you buy the wrong thing and you don't like it or you, you, you get the wrong combo going. It can cost you a lot of money. So, like, I, I've really taken the approach. I just want to give guys straight up what works, what doesn't work, um, and uh, like, no paid advertisements, no none of that crap. And uh, the only one I have is really, you know, ASAT, and I do some stuff for New Breed and Burris. But like the the companies I do work with, hand in, hand in glove, it's because their shit works and. Uh, you get what you pay for and you'll get a quality product. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing that's missing. And, and as we talked about those pro hunters, you, you get misleaded a lot in this industry and you can, you can really go down that rabbit hole of spending a lot of money on shit that doesn't work. And, uh, I think we just all got to watch out for ourselves and, and, you know, kind of stick together. It doesn't matter if you're a, a trad hunter, a, a wheelie hunter with uh, training wheels, or you like hunting with guns. Uh, it's, if we don't unite as a front, we're going to lose our rights to hunt and bear arms. And, uh, we just kind of got to all just stick together instead of, like you said, the guy that jumps on there and pokes, you know, the, the, the insane 
you know, jealousy or whatever it is. Yeah. Not necessary. Let's just all stick together and support one another. And that's my closing thought. Yeah, be be positive. Don't be assholes or fuckheads. <laughs> yep. It's hard. It's really hard, but <laughs> give it your best shot. All right, Joel. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you.